the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. Start praying the way Paul prayed. Not simply for health, not simply for finances, not simply for things to be accomplished that would make you more comfortable, although it's certainly not wrong to pray for those things. But beyond that, we need to pray for the knowledge of God's will so that those you pray for will respond to the circumstances of life in such a way that God is pleased. In other words, it's not simply that I have a health problem and I want to pray to get over it. No, Lord, help this person I'm praying for understand what your word says about how to respond to the difficult situation that they're facing called poor health. And why do we do that? Why should we start praying that way? Because that's how Paul prayed. He says that we have not ceased in verse 9 to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and to please him in all respects. That's how we pray. We pray like Paul prayed. previous broadcast, Pastor Steve encouraged us, among other things, to make a prayer list and write down a specific list of ongoing needs and people for whom we should pray. Do you have a prayer list? One thing that has touched my heart is that when we ask for prayer requests at church, too often it's about somebody's health or their job or something like that, and we should pray about those things. But that's not what Paul majored on when he prayed for the Colossians. He focused on their knowledge of God's will. So the question is, how would you know, if you're praying for someone in the light of Colossians 1, how would you know if God were answering your prayer or not? Our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff, is going to continue not only talking about prayer, but also how we read the Bible on today's Verse by Verse. Here he is. I invite you to open your Bibles to Colossians, Paul's letter to the Colossians. Chapter 1, verses 9 through 14, it is a unit. We've broken it up into two messages. It's filled with so much truth that we just couldn't handle it all in one week. Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. 
For he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. These verses basically, as we said last week, basically tell us how Paul prayed for the Colossians and why he prayed for them. But they also serve to give us great insight as to how we're to pray for others, how we're to pray for ourselves, and what God wants accomplished in our lives, because these are eternal truths. Now, at the close of last week's message, I told you that there were three specific things you could do this week and should do this week in applying the truths of this passage to your life. Number one, we said you can make a prayer list and write down the specific list of ongoing needs and people to pray for. That's something you should have done. Did you do that? That's what we call change. It's what we call application. If you don't have a prayer list, do it. The tendency would be to say, we're going to do it, and then don't do it. You need to do it. This is called putting the word into action. Now, why would we do this? Because Paul had a specific list. Paul had a prayer list. He prayed for the Colossians. We went over this last week in which he also prayed for the Philippians. He prayed for the Romans. He prayed for those at Thessalonica. He prayed for Philemon. He prayed for others. He had a specific list of ongoing needs and people, things that you would never stop praying for. And so we need to do that. We need to do that. And who should you pray for? It certainly is appropriate to pray for all people and to pray for all needs. But I really believe that we need to be reminded to pray for those who are growing in the Lord, those who are walking the Lord. Paul said at the beginning of verse nine, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, that is to say, since Epaphras came and told me how well you were doing, I've not ceased to pray for you. He didn't pray for them because they were doing poorly. He prayed for them because they were doing well, which tells us that we need to pray for those who are walking with the Lord because they are going to have the greatest resistance by Satan and by people and so forth. So we need to pray for them. Did you do this? Did you start a prayer list? If not, you need to do that now, not this minute when the message is finished. Number two, second application. Start praying the way Paul prayed, not simply for health, not simply for finances, not simply for things to be accomplished that would make you more comfortable, although it's certainly not wrong to pray for those things. But beyond that, we need to pray for the knowledge of God's will so that those you pray for will respond to the circumstances of life in such a way that God is pleased. In other words, it's not simply that I have a health problem and I want to pray to get over it. No, Lord, help this person I'm praying for understand what your word says about how to respond to the difficult situation that they're facing called poor health. And why do we do that? Why should we start praying that way? Because that's how Paul prayed. He says that we have not ceased in verse nine to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and to please him in all respects. That's how we pray. We pray like Paul prayed. He asked God to make these Colossians so full of his word that they would know how to behave under any circumstances which issues out into the worthy walk, a walk that pleases the Lord, a walk that is worthy of Jesus Christ. We're not worthy of him. We're not worthy of his salvation, but we are to behave in such a way that our behavior is worthy of how great he is. So did you do that this week? Did you start making specific changes in your prayer life? 
If not, you're not applying the word to your life. You're just hearing it, and if you don't put it into practice, you're going to lose it. So the third thing that we suggested that you do specifically is begin to read your Bible with questions, questions that you ask God, questions that you ask yourself. How does this passage apply to me? What's the timeless principle here? How, Lord, do you want me to live? In light of this, how should I treat my children? How should I treat that neighbor that bugs me? How should I handle my money? That's the kind of approach you ought to have to Bible study. You look for ways as you approach the scriptures that would please God, not just looking for solutions to life's problems, but Lord, in the midst of these solutions, how can I please you by my response? And why do we do that? Because according to God's word, knowledge of the truth, Paul writes, leads to obedience to the truth. Be filled with the word, be controlled by the word so that you may walk in a manner worthy of Jesus Christ to please him. A worthy walk flows out of an understanding of God's word. Now, have you done this? When you picked up your Bible, have you had a different attitude this week? Have you begun to ask those questions? So you had three things that you could do and you should have done. Now, that was last week. This week, we wanted to take it a step further. And I pose this question to you. If you're praying for people to be filled with the word, and to please the Lord in their lives, or if you're praying for yourself that way, how would you know if God answered? How would you know if you're praying for someone in light of Colossians 1, how would you know if God were answering that prayer or not? In other words, is there something observable in someone's life that you can look at and say, yes, I see some tangible evidence of God answering this prayer. Is there anything like that? Well, the answer is yes. Yes. We can recognize if God is answering this and the people are responding. There are some very tangible marks or characteristics of someone who is walking in a worthy manner. And that's what we want to look at this week. Because in the middle of verse 10 through 14, Paul lists four characteristics of a worthy walk. In other words, he lists these marks of what it looks like. If someone's walking a worthy walk, you can see it. It's observable. What does it look like? Well, that's what we want to explore this morning. If you see these qualities in your life, or you see these qualities in someone else's life, you can rest assured that prayer is being answered. They are being filled with the knowledge of God's will. They are pleasing him in their life because these are the marks. Now, before I identify the marks for you, I want you to understand, especially those who may not have been here last week, and for those who need a reminder, let me tell you the flow of these verses. It'll help you to follow Paul's train of thought. These verses, verses 9 through 14, rotate around the concept that Paul calls the worthy walk. That's the central thought here. That's the central concept, the main theme is the worthy walk. Everything revolves around that. And the worthy walk simply means conduct that pleases the Lord. And we said last week that there are some key truths about a worthy walk. This was our outline. Number one, the pathway to a worthy walk is through knowledge of God's will. You will never walk as you should unless you have the word of God, knowledge of God's word. God's will is revealed in God's word his general revelation. So in the sense that it's his general will 
for us. So we pray for others to not only get into the Bible, but watch this, that the Bible gets into you. There is a difference. There is a difference. Someone I heard recently was bragging to another person saying, oh, I read the Bible through every year. But how much does the Bible get into you? How much you think you get into the word, but does the word get into you? The word getting into you means that it lodges there, that it resides in you, that you meditate on it, that it masters you. You're not only mastering the Bible. There are some people who just master the Bible. There are other people who are mastered by the Bible. This is not simply a book. This is God's word to us. So the pathway to a worthy walk is through the knowledge of God's will. You read the word, you let it soak into you in understanding and wisdom. You are applying it to your life. Secondly, the purpose of a worthy walk is simply to please the Lord. That's what it's all about. We're not accumulating knowledge for knowledge's sake. We are accumulating knowledge in order to put that knowledge into practice so that God is delighted. That's the bottom line, as I said last week, of all bottom lines, that God is delighted. Now this week, we want to look at the practice of a worthy walk. And the practice of a worthy walk is demonstrated in a life characterized by four patterns of behavior. This is not exhaustive. There are other marks to a worthy walk. But in this passage, Paul gives four of them that you can observe in your life, you can observe in other people's lives, and here they are. Ready? Number one, the first characteristic of a worthy walk is good works. Good works. He begins in verse 10 in the middle after saying that we're to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. He says, bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit in every good work. Now, the Bible makes it most clear, most clear, that we are saved by grace alone through faith and not by good works. That's what the Bible teaches. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Some very important verses, foundational to our faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one should boast. The reason, at least one reason, that salvation is by grace through faith is because if it were in any way by works, then you and I would boast about it. Then you and I would brag. Then you and I would say, look how great I am. It is not by works at all. It is only by God's grace. We will for out eternity say, Lord, thank you that you saved me. I'm a sinner. I'm wicked. I don't deserve heaven and all its wonders. We are saved by grace. However, once we are saved, then we should produce good works. And we often quote Ephesians 2, 8, 9 and leave out verse 10 which says, for we are his workmanship. Literally, it's we are his poem. We are his work of art created in Christ Jesus for good works. Why did God save you? To bring him glory through good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God wants to produce through you good works. He can't do that until he gets in you. But he comes into us. That's what being born again means. God dwells now within us. We've been born from above and he produces through us good works. Certain works that please him. Not just any works, 
but works that please him. For example, if you look back in Ephesians chapter 2, look at the first three verses of the chapter. It all really ties together. I think these tell us what our works were like before, before we knew Christ. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air and of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, too, we all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. That is to say that before we were saved, before we were transformed, we did whatever we pleased to do. Our works came forth from our hearts. Our hearts were wicked. We were following this world's pattern and we did whatever we wanted to do. In Titus chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says that certain men who don't know Christ, their deeds evidence that. Their deeds evidence that. And that's the way it was with us. There are two different walks. The worthy walk is one that pleases God by good works. The evil walk or the former walk is one that pleased ourselves by self-centered works. Now, in Colossians 1.10, Paul refers to these good works as fruit. Why does he say that? Fruit in the sense that our knowledge of God's will produces them. Just as fruit is produced from a tree, so the knowledge of God's will produces them in our lives. And the end result of knowing the Bible is that we apply these truths to all kinds of situations. That's why he says in Colossians 1.10, bearing fruit in every good work. He doesn't even tell us the specific good works because there are no limitations. We are to bear fruit in all kinds of situations having good works. Psalm 1 tells us about that. Listen to this. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in what? The law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night, and he will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. As we take in the word of God, we produce the fruit of good works. If you're not producing much, it's because you're not taking in much. And what kind of works are these? Well, they could be all kinds. Let's look at Colossians chapter three. Let me just illustrate this for you. It's hard to say this is specifically it, this is specifically not it. It just could be anything that flows out of your life because you've taken in the Bible. Anything that is done to please the Lord and not yourself. Colossians chapter 3 gets real specific on this. Notice we tie in verses 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Okay, so it's the same concept. Let God's word dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Okay, we've taken in the word of God. There's going to be some deeds coming out. What specific deeds could come out of us? What fruit could we bear? Well, Verse 18 says, wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. One of the good works that you could bear, ladies, is to be genuinely submissive to your husbands because you've taken in the word. Husbands, you are to love your wives. Where does that flow from? It flows from letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. When the word dwells in you richly, then you love your wife. That's bearing fruit of good work. Children, it says in verse 20, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. 
I please the Lord if I'm a child by obeying my parents, but I first have to take in the word of God to let it dwell in me, because if it dwells in me, it's going to bear fruit. And that fruit is going to be the good works of obedience. He also speaks about fathers. Don't exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. So fathers, as you take in the word of God, the fruit is that you do the works that will not exasperate your children. He speaks in verse 22 about slaves obeying. Then he speaks later about masters being fair and just and so forth. It's just the evidence of taking in the word of God, having it dwell in you richly, and it produces the fruit of good works. If there's not good works going on in your life, then you are not taking in the word of God, not like you should. Or if there's a little bit of fruit, there should be more fruit. Now, how do you know if your life pleases God? Right now, how do you know if your life is pleasing to God? You know it by looking at the fruit that it's producing, the works of the flesh or the works that please God. You say, well, I need a little bit more on that. Well, let me give you a suggestion. Think of it this way. Are you a blessing to others? How do I know if I'm a blessing to others? I'm going to give you something very specific. Ask a very close friend today, this week, Ask some of your friends, am I a blessing to you or am I so self-centered that I'm not a blessing to you? If you fear the answer, you already have the answer. You really should ask perhaps your spouse, perhaps a friend or relative, am I a blessing to you? Do I do those things that are beneficial to you? That's what you do. And you know what? The good works are even the most mundane things in life. Even the most mundane things are good works. We're not talking about the big things in life. The little things in life make up life. For example, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Even your eating and drinking and mundane daily works of life can bring glory to God. Now, in the context here, what he's saying is your knowledge of the word about liberty issues would affect the way that you eat and drink. So the things that we do today affect whether we bring glory to God or not. So if you aren't seeing good fruit in your proper behavior, you're not a blessing to others, it's probably because you just are not filling yourself with the word of God. There's an old saying, garbage in, garbage out. Whatever you take in is going to come out in some way. So the first characteristic of a worthy walk is good works. Are your works good? If they're self-centered, they're not good. Ask somebody. It might hurt, but that's how you learn and grow. The second characteristic of a worthy walk is growth. Growth. He says at the end of verse 10, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing means growth. It means maturity. It means enlargement. Another way to know if your life is pleasing to God is if you are growing or maturing in the Lord. Are you growing? A life of growth is a life that pleases God. Now the phrase, and I want to just clarify something, the phrase that's translated this way in my version, increasing in the knowledge of God, can be, and I think it should be translated in growing by the knowledge of God. 
not growing in the knowledge of God. And the reason I say that is not only can the Greek language fit there and you can translate it legitimately that way, but he's already told them to be filled with the knowledge of God's word. It doesn't seem to me that he would simply repeat himself. I think he's talking about growth here. Growth by the knowledge of the word. In other words, one of the marks of a life that pleases God is spiritual growth. The Christian life is one of growth and it's one of progress. But I want to ask you a very significant question. We hear that thrown around. Are you growing? Where to be growing? But what are you supposed to grow up to? You ever stopped and thought about that? Where does the progress take us? What is spiritual growth? That's a basic question. And I don't think a lot of people even think about it. What are we growing into? Toward the end of today's verse-by-verse broadcast, Pastor Steve asked some very pointed questions of us. How do I know if my life pleases God? He then went on to challenge us to ask a friend or family member if we are being a blessing to them. (laughs) And then he said, if you're afraid to ask that question, then you probably have your answer. Wow, talk about getting to the heart of the matter. Well, I appreciate the teaching of Pastor Steve because, well, it's based on Scripture. He doesn't hold back, and he wants us to know God's will in our lives. Now, we have some more direct teaching on the next verse-by-verse broadcast, so I invite you to join us then. If there are times when you can't catch the broadcast, I would encourage you to sign up for the verse-by-verse podcast. You can do that at versebyverseradio.org. The podcast link is partway down on the right-hand side of the page. That's versebyverseradio.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.